1: I بالله من الشيطان الرجيم the الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها the آمنوا استعينوا بالصبر والصلاة إن the مع الصابرين ولا تقولوا لمن يقتل في سبيل الله هموات بل احياء ولكن لا تشعرون ولا نبل ونكون بشيء من الخوف والجوع ونقص من الاموال وَنَقَصَ مِنَ الأَمْوَالِ وَالْأَنْفُسِ وَالثَّمَرَاتِ وَبَشِّرِ الصَّابِرِينَ الَّذِينَ إِذَا أَصَابَتْهُمْ مُصِيبَةٌ قَالُوا إِنَّا قالوا إن لله وإنا إليه راجعون أولئك عليهم صلوات من ربهم ورحمة وأولئك هم المهتدون. Sadaq al Azeem
2: Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen Salatu wassalamu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een Dear brothers and sisters Asalaamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh And welcome to Islamic courses Live uh, Today we have a very special day uh, Today not only do we have an audience Which is online uh, So we welcome you and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to put barakah in it. And we also have a live, live audience. This is actually happening in the masjid at the Islamic Oasis Center. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make it a success in ta'ala. Today's session, uh, dear brothers and sisters, is a very unique topic. A topic uh, in many ways overdue. Uh, and that is the topic of al Qiyada Fikriya, when we talk about Islamic leadership or political leadership, uh, even you can call it maybe Siyasa Fikriya or al Siyasa. There's a lot going on in the Muslim world. Uh, we, we all know what's happening in Gaza. We know what's happening in Pakistan. We, uh, we know what's happening in India as we speak. We know what's happening in many, many different parts of the world. And all and everything affects, most of it affects the Muslim Ummah in almost every possible way. So, brothers and sisters, it's very important for us to realize what role we as an Ummah play. What role should we be playing? For now, we see that it's the superpowers, uh, France, Britain, U.S., Russia, all of those are playing the role in our own countries, in our regions. While the Muslim Ummah, upon whom the games are playing, played upon, are playing no role. It seems that the ones who are on the ground, the ones who are bleeding, and the ones who are suffering and are under the brunt of a genocide, they are playing no role rather than just suffering. And it seems almost a continuation of, of suffering and oppression that seems no end. So, Inshallah, to discuss this, we have our brother, Dr. Abu Talha. Abu Talha has been here many times before on this, on this panel, on this uh, podcast. Abu Talha is a professor, a scholar, political analyst, Islamic scholar, uh, and someone who is very active in the da'wah scene, not only in the U.S., but also in the world. Uh, you have probably seen him in, in, in many parts of the world speaking regarding not only this topic, but the topic of bringing back a complete leadership to the Summa. And with that, I welcome Dr. Boutalha.
0: Okay, assalamu alaikum wa barakatuh Dear uh, brothers, are there any sisters downstairs? So I say sister, yes? So, okay, so dear brothers and sisters, so that we will make sure that everybody has the salam, inshaAllah, from Allah Azza wa Jal, not from us. And uh, this talk comes at very uh, critical situation in the Ummah where definitely almost everyone without any exception is probably wondering and asking why an Ummah as large as the Muslim Ummah, as big as the Muslim Ummah, as rich in terms of resources as the Muslim Ummah as a rich in terms of history, as the Muslim Ummah, is unable to take an act, a single act, just at least one act as an Ummah, in order not only to stop the genocide and the murders and the killings that are happening in Gaza and Palestine, but to liberate entire Palestine from occupation. And why this situation is happening for the last almost 100 years, what's going on? Sometimes, some countries, whenever they they take actions, very small countries, if you ask them, how would you dare doing that? They would say, we are not like those Arabs or Muslims who cannot take action. So this whole thing boils down around one and only one concept. That's a concept of leadership. Do you have a leadership that can lead you into success? Do you have leadership that can lead you into victory? Do you have leadership that can take you away from harassment, from atrocities, from killings, from massacres? Do you have that? Do you have a shepherd for your goats and sheep that takes the sheep during the daytime to places where they can find the grasses and food, and whenever things become hot, that shepherd will take the same sheep and goats to a spring of water, so they can drink some water, and a shepherd that has a dog or multiple dogs, that can protect the sheep from wolves wandering around. Do you have that? The simple answer is no. There is none. And that brings us to the point, Brother, what do you mean by leadership? Are you talking about a charismatic person that has big influence on in the people, that can tell them march and they will march, die, they will die, live, they will live, eat, they will eat, drink, they will drink, fast, they will fast? Or what is it that you are talking about? Well, some people may think that. may think that, oh, a leadership that we need, we need someone with big power, with charisma, with intelligence, with all types of uh, uh, strong personality That no one can No one dares to, re, to resent his order And that Which I have just said Is totally rejected Rejected not by me But by Allah Azza wa in the Quran And if you ask Oh does Allah Azza wa talk about This issue leadership and, and not leadership Of course If you want to understand sometimes the concept you have two ways of understanding it. Either dig deep, dissect into it, and see what this concept is about, the details and the definitions and the semantics behind it, or look at the impact of the term and what this term should mean on the other side of the, of this, of the coin. If you have a leadership, if there is a leadership that will lead us somewhere, somehow, then the immediate impact is the follow. So there is a leader and there is a group of people who follow. So followership is the direct result and consequent of leadership. If there is a leadership, then there are a group of people, million, two millions, billion, two billions, etc., who would follow. So followership or followership is the direct result and consequence of leadership. And you'll find in the Quran many of these. Ayat or terms or discussions around this issue When Allah In places he says Wa Or Take the opposite Ya amanu Or you who believe In kafaru means follow Sometimes you say obey Obedience is Is a very Detailed Detailed concept that goes deep 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 inside the heart, which we are not interested in. We are interested in the behavior. The behavior of obedience is follow. If you obey me, then you follow me. If you obey what I am saying, then follow. So Allah, جل, when He says it means follow. Or you believe in If you obey or follow, as I explained, if you follow. ذكّافرين الذين كفروا يردوكم على عقابكم they will make you turn back يردوكم على عقابكم Aqab عقاب means the end of the foot so you switch you turn your foot back and you start moving the other direction يردوكم على عقابكم فتنقلبوا تنقلبوا then you fall down انقلاب تنقلب means you fall down you are standing up then you fall they will move backward and then you will fall khasirin losers so three things number one you will move in the opposite direction number two you will fall down number three you will lose and these three characteristics these three symptoms this is what characterizes our ummah right now yanqalib ala they turn back from what they were the direction they were moving in they fell down so they cannot stand up and fight like like, like, like someone who has strength, and power, and, and uh, determination, and they are losers. So this is the opposite, or that's the consequent, immediate consequence of leadership. So if you follow the kuffar, the kafirin, and Allah Azza wa in this ayah does not say who the kafirin are. They could be the, uh, at the time this was in Medina, where the Jews were uh, uh, plenty and abundant, they were Mushrikeen in Mecca, they were Persians, they are Romans, they are all types of Kafirin. They are idol worshippers, they are worshippers of the Trinity, etc. It doesn't matter. Al Kafir means anyone who does not believe in the ideas and the thoughts and Aqeedah of Islam. So if you follow those, if you are led by those, if the ones who lead you are the ones who do not believe in Allah Azza wa Jal, in the messenger Muhammad and in the systems that he brought, then the result is what we see. So now we know the consequence of lack of leadership or the consequence of leadership of anti-Islam or non-Islamic leadership. Now let's look at the one more point, one more aspect of this. Oh, Does the leadership or is this leadership or obedience or fellowship associated with the Person Or personification of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Is it tightly coupled with this man Called Muhammad, the messenger of Allah Is it tightly coupled Very much tightly coupled Just like this, goes hand in hand With Muhammad, peace be upon him With all the great personality That we talk about, whether us Or even the the enemies, they talk about The great personality of Muhammad Actually, one ayah Or two ayat before the one I recited it talks about that where it says "Wama Muhammad." Muhammad is, is nothing but. Look at this "Ma Muhammad." In Arabic, it's a very strong statement. It starts with a nafi, starts with negation. When you start something with negation, it means everything after that is negated. "Wama Muhammadun." Muhammad is not. Muhammad is not. But illa Rasul. He is just a messenger. "Wama Muhammadun illa Rasul." Rasul means he has a message to bring to you. That's it. He gives you a message. That's his role. Before him, there were so many messengers. So he is no different in the sense that he is bringing a message than any other messenger. Whether it's Musa, Isa, Yusuf, Ibrahim, Ismail, Ishaq, it doesn't matter. وما محمد إلا رسول قد خلت من قبله الرسل now أفإم مات أو قتل إن قلبتم على عقابكم but if he dies or gets killed because things apply to him he's a man he can die regularly or get killed أفإم مات أو قتل إن قلبتم على أَعْقَابِكُمْ just like the other آية إن تطيعوا الذين كفروا يردوكم على عقابكم خ... Uh, Just like the other ayah which I talked about So if or once In this case it's not if conditional Because there is no if conditional It's once he When he When he dies Or gets killed You will reverse back on your With your toes You reverse your toes and you start walking the other direction Inqalabtum ala akabikum. Is this what happens? Muhammad is a Rasul. he gave you a messenger, a message This message will lead you So you take the message and you follow the message You take the message, the message will lead you You take the message, the message will get you wherever Allah wants you to be Victorious people, people with justice People who can implement the best systems in the world, that's what the message will lead you. But now you associate this message, this leadership. Let me start using the term now. This leadership, which is which makes you follow, because leadership makes you follow, makes you tutiya. In totiah Allah Rasul. <inaudible> <inaudible> you, obey them, you You obey follow Muhammad, you follow Allah and his message, and Muhammad with the message he brought from Allah, or otherwise you follow the K'far. So the leadership here, there is a leadership. The one that leads you is a message. So here Allah says, Muhammad just and of course this, imagine that you were there when this ayah is revealed. With all the attachments you have, the love to the Prophet. ﷺ. Attachment with passion, with love, with obedience, with strength, with devotion. Like Abu Bakr, when the Prophet ﷺ makes a dialogue with him about how much you appreciate me, he says, More than I appreciate my own self, more than I love you more than my own self. To me, the attachment to Muhammad as a person and as a messenger, is beyond questioning. And when Umar says, appreciate you more than anything in the world, but myself, he says, no, that's not sufficient. Well, definitely, Muhammad was not telling Umar, you have to love me as you love, let's say, the way you love your people, your kids, your wife, your relatives. Here is the appreciation of Muhammad not as a person, but as the message he brought from Allah Azza wa Jal, that's why Allah in this ayah he says, "Afa' Efa immatha qutil. once he dies or whenever he dies or gets killed, in kalebtu m ala aqabikum, you turn your back away, in kalebtu m ala akabikum. Fatan kal No. Afa im matil and kaleptum ala a qabikum wamayyan kalib ala akabayhi Whoever turns his back away, falay yadur Allah ha shaya. Allah does not get hurt. Now imagine whoever can think that he can make harm to Allah Azza wa Jal. But Allah puts it in this manner Allah to us is the Creator, the God, and the source of this obedience, the source of this message, the source of these laws, the source of this system. Allah will reward those who are thankful. Thankful for what? Thankful for being worshippers to Allah Azza wa Jal. For being followers. Worshippers, in this case followers. So here is the situation. The ground. Leadership is not a human. It's not a person. It's not a character. Sometimes, once I was teaching a course called Organizational Leadership. And the whole structure of the course talks about traits characteristics of individuals who possess leadership and then i turn back this whole story that no it's not the trait of the person that creates leadership because the person with the traits with characteristics with intelligence with genius mentality does not last forever what would you what would force you to follow And continue on the road of someone who passed away and now you find someone with better qualities, with better characteristics. That's not correct. The idea, the leadership and fellowship has to do with the idea, not with the person. And this ayah that I recited from Surah Ali Imran is exactly about this issue. The issue is not Muhammad. The issue is not his character. The issue is not his traits. The issue is not his characteristics. The issue is not his passion, they, but the issue of all what it made Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa is nothing but the message he had. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi before Islam, he was a regular man, decent, nice, or maybe with some whatever characteristics like any other person. What made Muhammad, Muhammad, what made Muhammad the person that you appreciate, what made Muhammad sallallahu the great personality that you appreciate is the message that he brought From Allah Azza wa Jal Is the message وما محمد إلا رسول And this word Rasul Always always underlined that Rasul Is uh, 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 In Arabic It's called اسم Fail, It is a doer Someone who is carrying is carrying a message I hate to say a postman But it looks like that Someone who brings a message But this message He himself indulged with it, he believes in it, he appreciates it, and he lives that message. The fact that he lived the message is to tell you and tell us that this message is livable. This message is livable. Livable means you can live it. It's something you can practice. It's not something uh, beyond the, the, the ability of a human. And he practiced that as a human. He practiced that as a man, as a, as a husband. He practiced man that as a head of state. He practiced that as a leader of da'wah. He's practiced that as a person of integrity. He practiced that as a person of generosity. So he practiced all the aspects of this message in his own life to tell us that this message is not phenomenal. It's not, uh, uh, what do you call, uh, imaginary or beyond the abilities of people. No, it is... A message that can be applied or used or lived by regular humans. And he made sure, and Allah Azza wa supported him all the way before he passed away, that there was a sufficient group of people, sufficiently large group of people, sufficiently large or diverse group of people who implemented that system within their own personal life, and within the society around them. So this message that he's talking about, which causes the leadership, which, which persists on leadership issues, which makes people able to follow, he made that message a message that is livable and practic- practicable by humans, by regular humans. In the sense of complete obedience and fellowship, and in the sense of being able to turn back against it. So Allah did not engrave this system in my bones so you believe in the system after a while it becomes part of your genetic structure. No. It's not part of the genetic structure. It's not a given. This system must be always absorbed by the mind by the thought process by the belief by the heart by the emotions by everything. You have to absorb it and Trace it and support it and nourish it all the time. It's not given. It's not given. You can take it today and you can leave it tomorrow. And Allah before Muhammad sallallahu passed away and before he took back Muhammad, peace be upon him, away from this life, that issue which I, I just mentioned, the ability of people to resent and turn their, backs, their back away, it did happen. It did happen. Several times it happened while Muhammad صلى الله وسلم was still alive, especially in the battle of Uhud, where he says, "Inna al-Ladheena Tawla'u min Yawmal Tqal Jam'an." There is a group of people among you they turn their back. Tawla'u, just like the Tanqilibuxasirin, they they turn their back. In al-Ladheena Tawla'u min Kum Yawmal Tqal Jam'an. Inna astazlahum al-Shaytano, b'ba'du ma kasebu. The Shaytano was able to divert them. Based on what they have earned They earned some mistakes They earned ideas Which are different from the ideas And the thoughts and the beliefs That Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam brought Some people adopted something different And they fell back And they fell back So it does happen So it's not something that once you have it You will get it all the time It's not given You have to completely support it And the good thing here Is that Allah Azza wa provided this deen, this Islam, this message, and he provided all the guards around it to guard you, to guard you against turning your back against it, to turn against this, uh, this message of Islam. He provided you, now when we talk about as-salah, as-sawm, as al-hajj, those rituals that you continuously nourish your ideas and your beliefs. As-salah was not brought into this deen of Islam for its own sake. Allah Azza wa Jal does not, as some of the Sahaba earlier, He says, Allah, Azza wa Jal, when He uh, uh, bestowed upon us the Salah, He's not interested in looking at, at our backs when we turn uh, in, in Ruku'. That's not the interest here, is to show you going down. The interest here is to make sure that your attachment with Allah Azza wa Jal is continuous so that you can support your fellowship or your fellowship, so that you follow. You follow. This is your leadership. Now having said that, the question is, this leadership that Allah Azza wa wants, that He wants to lead the people who believe in Him into a certain path. And the path that He wants to lead you to is a path of success. And any other path is a path of failure. He decides that. It's Allah. He's the God. So He knows what path takes to success and what path takes to failure? That's why he, in one ayah in Surah Ta Ha, he says, "وَمَنْأَعْرَضَ means turn your back. Turn away. There is a path that goes from here to here. Turn your back and move this way. It's bad life. Go that way. It's a ضنك. It's terrible. Go the other direction. It's even worse. Go this the way that Allah wants That is success That's victory That's support That's Al-Falah Al-Falah means the absolute type of success When you say Hayya al-Falah Al-Falah means the uppermost level of success Sometimes you say Oh I, I was able to pass Oh if you pass your grade In high school or at college You pass If you get a B. Oh, it's a better. So success has many levels. The highest level of success is Al-Falah. So Allah wants you to go in the path of falah. Not only on the path that you can make some successes. The other is banak. Banqa means absolutely horrible, terrible. Is below the worst type of failure. The worst type of failure is a banak And now when we look at the case of the Ummah, which is summarized in the field in Gaza. That's just a, that's a that's a focal point that you look at, and through that, through Gaza, you can see Syria. Through Gaza, you can see Kashmir. Through Gaza, you can see Minamar. Through Gaza, you see Babri part of India. Through Gaza, you see the Igor. Through Gaza, you see Yemen. Through Gaza. Gaza, the atrocities, you see many of these killings around the areas. Gaza, the, the hunger, you see the poverty and the hunger all over in Africa, in Asia, Middle East, in many other places. So what we see today, that this Ummah of Islam had followed a direction, a direction that leads to Danak, that leads to absolute failure, which means that the leadership that is leading this ummah is definitely not that leadership that came in the message of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Very simple conclusion. Does not require a brainer to understand it or even to speak it. It's very obvious. Now, why have we indulged in this? What happened? And then what does it take to restore the leadership? Well, what happened? What happened is somehow the Muslim ummah groups, countries, nations, ethnicities, somehow they left, they left, they banned that leadership, that message of leadership. They they banned it from their life. And I just mentioned that this is not out of the world. I said the Muslims, part of the Sahaba, who were Sahaba? Sahaba means they, they were fighting with the Prophet. They turned their back. But it was temporary. It was temporary. And Allah, in the same ayat which I was reciting, He says, Allah forgive them. He knows that they are new into this uh, subject, into this issue. So I, I give you forgiveness. But don't do it again. Fine. We understand, so there is, there is a way to return back. And that's the point here. I'm not interested in questioning, oh, why would Allah forgive those people who turned their backs in the Battle of Uhud and they caused all those atrocities and it was almost very close that Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi was killed. This was terrible. That's not the issue here. The issue is, the issue is, you can always come back to that leadership. Yes, you can turn your back, but you can always come back. There is a way, there is a method, there is a possibility. There is yet, there is yet one more chance that you can restore that leadership. So the Muslim Ummah today, for the last hundred years, or could be even more, they, they abandoned, they abandoned this leadership of Islam. They abandoned following the message of Islam, the message of Allah Azza wa Jal, in its core sense. When I say the core, sometimes you say, oh, but we are, we are still praying, brother. We still have masajid. Oh, we just had this masjid here, a few months ago. And see, Allah, we just did it. Alhamdulillah. So things are happening. Well, we are talking about the core of the message. The core, not the outskirt of it. There is an outskirt, there is core, there is a nucleus, the nucleus that has the energy, that has the power, that has the directions that can force you into a direction. Masjid, as salah, As-Sawm, a hajj this is a structure within you live, within which you live, but the ones that pushes you in a direction. The direction of your finances, of your economy, of your technology, of your advancement, of your political life, of your unity, of your victory, of your successes. That energy, that core energy, that's the core of the message, which we abandoned. We kept the overall structure. And actually, I would probably, I'm very generous of saying we kept. I think the ones who who played a big role, a very big role, in making us abandon that core, they made sure that we do not abandon that external structure. And I have an example to show that. The example, leave alone the widespread, the widespread of people going to, or the the increasing number of people, Muslims going to Hajj or Umrah, increasing people who are fasting, increasing number of Masajid. These are facts, but I have one more example. Which is something recorded in history. At the end of the First World War, when the British, the colonialists, the British were able to conquer the majority of the Muslim lands after the breaking the backbone of the, the uh, Ottoman state called the Khilafah state at the time, but it's still the Ottoman state. the general of one of the armies who marched into Baghdad, that's they conquered Baghdad. The capital of Harun rashid Al-Ma'moon, Al-Mu'tasim, the city Baghdad. Just like a few years ago when Bush and his uh, uh, elites, they marched into Baghdad. Very similar. So the British general, as soon as he sits there, relaxes, he hears an adhan. Probably he was one of the new generals who just coming from Britain. He has not been in the Middle East for, for, for a while. So here the voice of a muadhin, and the time there were no loudspeakers, just you, the muadhin, goes up to the top of the masjid, and he keeps moving from the corner to corner, and with his hands, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, ahu, as loud as he can. So that man, he heard the adhan. There is something coming with big voice. So he gets disturbed, asks his advisor, what's going on? He says, this is a person calling the people for prayer. This is a time of prayer in the Muslim city. And then he asks, does this have to do with me being here, occupying Baghdad? He said, no, sir. It is just a regular prayer here. Then he makes the famous statement. He says, poor guy, he may lose his throat, his voice. We should provide him with a speaker, loudspeaker. What does that mean? That's not only symbolic. He says, as long as this activity, this ritual does not impact my colonization of Baghdad, my occupation of this land, then let him speak and give him the platform. Give him loudspeaker. And today, give him the internet, give him all the tools, let them speak. Let them do as much as they can as long as what you speak, what you talk, what you pray, what you fast coming Ramadan. You may collect people, Muslims today in Ramadan collects hundreds of millions of dollars in this country alone. In this country. And in Europe probably much more in the Muslim world. We do a lot. But as long as this does not impact the war in Gaza, let it be. As long as this does not stop the atrocities of the people being killed and genocided in Gaza, let it be. As long as this fasting of more than 2 billion Muslims in the world, fasting at the same time, breaking their fast at the same time, and donating and making the zakah, etc., etc., does not impact not a single life to save a single life in Gaza, give them more. Give them platform. Bring people who can fund, raise the fund in more billions. In fact, if you want, we can give you loans with RIBA and you will find some scholars who will approve that. Oh, we have lots of needs in this part of the world, but we cannot raise it right now. Maybe next Ramadan, we'll be able to get more because this Ramadan, there was like the Corona people did not. Wasn't this the case in Corona time? Very little fundraising. Oh, we cannot fundraise too much. Oh, we'll give you a loan. Next year or two years now, you pay it back with riba. Do you think that will not happen or did not happen? It did happen. And it could happen. And Muslims will approve it. And scholars would approve it. will say, yeah, of course, because of necessity. This is the structure I'm talking about. The bigger structure is still there. But the core, the one, the nucleus, the energy. You know, you have your furnace at home. Everybody has a furnace there. Inside that furnace, there is a burner that burns. The gas or the oil or the, the electricity that provides the heat. And the external is the one that blows the air into the room so to make it warm. You may have all that structure, but that burner, if it doesn't have the fuel, the right fuel, you will you not, you not have heat, would you? Would not. That's what the message of Islam turned out to be today. The message of Islam today does not lead. The message of Islam today does not play the leadership. The message of Islam today stays, lives in the Masjid, and beyond the Masjid, it's for the Tsar, it's for the king, it's for the MBS, it's for the CC. it's for Abdullah, it's for all of these idiots or idols around this area, that is where the fuel is. The fuel is in the hand of enemies of Islam, so the leadership of Islam today has terminated the leadership among the ummah, among the ummah sounds very sad, very pessimistic. And you are talking about leading not 50 or 60 people in this hall. You are talking about leading 2 billion people. Man, can you lead 2 billion people with one message? Well, the idea is not how big or small. Look at China. China has one single leadership. It's stupid leadership. It's the leadership of uh, not even communism. It's, it's a blended form of communism, socialism, capitalism, uh, selfism. It's a blended of everything, but it does lead. It leads almost two billion people. So the issue is not how many people you can lead with a message. The issue is whether the message has the capability of leadership, and we proved that the message of Islam does have the capability of leadership, and it's a complete comprehensive system that can lead, it can be lived, it was lived by people, by the Prophet, by his followers, there is no question about that, and it's not the matter how many people you want to lead, it's the matter is how do you attach the people, the masses, to this leadership. Now, especially if the masses are fragmented, like today, it becomes very difficult, and If the enemies, the ones who do not want this leadership for one reason or another, everybody has his own reason. The kings and the presidents in the Muslim world, they have their own reasons. Because it kills their fake leadership. They have fake leadership, not real, because they don't have systems. They have people follow them by dictatorship, by power, by force. So it's a threat for their leadership. As much as Islam was a threat to the leadership of Abu Jahl. Abu Jahl and Al Walid bin Muhira, Ahness bin Shuraiq, and the like, they were leading in Mecca. But they were leading by some, some personal issues, by some interest that they were able to maintain to the people, by some power, by some illusions, by, by enemies. Now, somebody comes and says, No, 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 from this time on, we do not follow neither Abu Jahl nor Abu Lahab nor Abu Talib nor, nor, none of these we will follow what Allah Azza wa says based on what Muhammad sallallahu brings man that's a threat to his interest who else was threatened threatened people like Abu Sufyan at the time one of the biggest uh, interest taking people the one who has lots of money and uh, lends money with interest and in fact the prophet the, the uncle of the prophet Al-Abbas He had lots of interest based in Interest in interest He has interest In the riba In the usury That's why the Prophet ﷺ He says The the first riba First usury I put under my foot Is the riba of my uncle Al-Abbas It's all gone So the message of Islam Has a threat to the people Who benefit from the status quo So they will fight it the message of Islam is a threat to the ones who want to exploit the resources in the Muslim land um, which, which, which belong to Muslims, like oil, gas, energy resources, minerals, gold, etc. Because all of these, they belong to the Ummah. They don't belong to anyone. This is Mulkiya Amma called the general property. It's a threat to them. It's, it's a threat to Aramco. It's a threat to the British Petroleum. It's a, British to, it's a threat to mobile, uh, mobile gas or mobile oil, to uh, Gulf oil, to uh, uh, Texaco oil. All of these companies, big companies, the seven big sisters, they call them. And Shell, all of them, they are losers. But they are losers, but they have power. They are people who work for them. They are forces. So they stop you. So now the ones who want to separate the ummah, keep it detached from the leadership, we know them. We know those entities, that have interest or their interest get threatened. If you follow your own leadership, they will fight it. So that's big obstacle. That's big obstacle. And as I said, it's not only recent. Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when I said he lived that message, he lived, he was able to get that leadership in his life and the life of his people, he was opposed by the elites of Mecca وَإِذْ يَمْكُرُ بِكَ أو أو يخ- uh, Those kuffar They are conspiring against you To either Yuthbituka means To make you Stop forcing this leadership to be real Just stick to what you are And don't move any farther bituka Or to kill you Or to evict you from the, from, from the land. Where? where Nobody knows. Just like today in Gaza. They, uh, just get, get you out. It doesn't matter where. So they had the interest, all that interest, to conspire and to work and to act. So you either stop following your leadership or you are dead or you are no longer active in this area, in this area of the, of the land. But the land, the land, where, where, where are, you going, are they going to evict you? He went to Medina, and he became stronger. Had he went to Taif, he would have been stronger. Had he went to Bani Shaiban, he would have been stronger. So you, you can throw me away from this room, or this city, or this uh, country, but then my ideas will not die, as long as I stand behind them. So today, the message, we are telling us, See, Muslims, today there is a leadership concept. It's a concept. Now, the one who will take this leadership and put it in practice is some of those, the most intrigued people, the most, uh, 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 where this leadership idea is engraved within their ideas, within their thoughts, within their minds, are the ones who will be able to attach to reattach the Muslim masses Muslim Ummah to this idea. And that does not come automatic, doesn't come. I can speak about this issue all over the world, probably we'll have conferences all over the world, in Indonesia, in Malaysia, in Sri Lanka, in South Africa, there is one, in Holland, in Britain, in in Denmark, in Sweden, in Jordan, in Lebanon, there are everywhere. And we can talk to the Ummah, we need to come back to leadership, it doesn't work like that. You have to make an attachment. It's like a cart or carriage when you have a horse pulling a a cart behind it. Now the horse can pull the cart. And the cart has no objection of being pulled by the horse, correct? Have you seen any point of time when you try to attach a horse with those uh, strips to to a cart and the horse says, no, no, it doesn't do that. And the cart says, no, I'm not going to go with this horse. I need a mule or I need another horse which walks slowly. doesn't work like that. But without attaching the cart to the horse, you will not have a motion or a movement. You cannot carry your products. Isn't that right? So today, the cart, the big cart is the Ummah. Do we have a horse? Do you have the power that's willing to pull? And the cart that is capable of being pulled. Yes, we do. The Ummah is a Muslim Ummah. And we have seen during these crises of Gaza and the atrocities and the, and the occupation, the whole Ummah was uproaring on its feet all over the world. Wherever there is a Muslim, man or woman, you would have seen a demonstration raising, we need to stop the fight, the atrocities, the bloodshed, etc." We need Palestine, we need Al Aqsa, we need. All of these slogans that came, they came from their hearts. From the hearts of a Muslim, So this is the cart is willing to be pulled by a horse, but a horse that is capable of pulling this ummah. You need that element, one, two, three group of people who are willing to pull, who are capable of pulling, who can be attached, who can attach this whole ummah to come behind it. And here there are two issues, and I will conclude here. There are two steps. One step, one step is to actually visualize what type, excuse my example of horse, because I know the one that I will be talking about is way above and beyond the horse, but it's metaphoric. The one entity that was pulling the ummah behind it and the ummah following willingly at the time when Muhammad ﷺ was the Prophet. No question about that. The messenger, he has the message. He left it. He proved it. So he's the one. Passed away. Then the moment he left this world, left this world in terms of the, what we call it, ruh His ruh is gone. But his body was still laid down at the house of his wives. I'm not sure whether it's the house of Aisha or someone else, but anyway, in, in in the vicinity of the masjid. Before doing anything, someone stood up, not someone as a person, a group of people stood up to make sure that this big cart of Islam and the Muslims reattached to a horse that can pull, which was called a Khalifa, an Imam. Khalifa, a successor of the Prophet. Not in Prophethood. But in leadership. And the Prophet ﷺ said. There will be many after me. But they will be Khulafa. They will not be Prophets. Prophethood is done. So now. The group of people. In the Saqifa Bani Sa'idah. These are the ones that played the role. Of making sure that leadership does not get detached. The followers. And the followed, the one who represents the idea and the thought and the system of Islam, someone should represent that, should guard it, should take the lead. So let's use the word the lead. You should them, tie them one more time as they were at the time of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Because the death of Muhammad means what? Means the detachment, see? I detach this, this is on top of it. Now they are detached, this needs this one. The Prophet died detached. In order for that leadership to continue, someone has to reattach that. Then come the Saqifah. Ansar and Muhajirin sit down for hours, discussing, quarreling, uh, arguing, debating, until they were able to make the attachment to Abu Bakr. That's what we call in political terms, bay'ah. In political terms, we say, Re-establishment of the khilafah. In political terms, we say electing or selecting a successor of the head of state. These are just terms. But in reality, in reality, that leadership which we talked about was not discontinued. It was discontinued for minutes, for hours, until we were able to reattach it to Abu Bakr. So there are three things here. The Ummah. The ummah that continues to believe in Islam, that can follow almost any direction. Ummah as a group of masses, just like I said, a cart. If you took that cart and attach it to a donkey, it will follow, it will go, it, it will not resist. It's a cart. If you attach it to a rooster who cannot even pull it one centimeter, it will be attached to it. That's very typical. Very typical. A cart is a big, big container. Big container. It's very difficult to come and take each part of that container and attach it, rope, rope by rope, rope by rope, it's impossible. So what the people did in Medina after the death of Muhammad وسلم, there were three groups of people. One group of people are the general Muslims. Some of them were fighting in the front, in the armies. Some of them were doing their uh, regular agriculture. Some of them were in the masjid waiting to see what's going to happen. And another group of people, a smaller group, sitting in the Saqifah in the house of Bani Sa'idah, debating, arguing who is going to be to replace Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and how to make this attachment. And the third is the entity, entity that they all agreed on that this will be the polling entity or personality that will pull that big car to the ummah so there are three components one component is the big ummah which is in my opinion with very little analysis this ummah is capable of being attached to almost any any polar, any leader and it does it did since 100 years ago this ummah has been pulled behind all donkeys of the world All animals of the world, starting from socialism, nationalism, uh, atheism, uh, stupidism, all types of ism you can think about. They were pulled behind it. Kamal, Kamalist, uh, Abdul Nasser, Ali Junah, Ba'athis, uh, you name it, and they are still. It's a cart that can be pulled by anyone. And today, bring it a khalifa, they will be pulled behind it. We know their emotions, we know their, what's inside them, we know what their likes, their dislikes, and we know they can be satisfied, or they think they can be satisfied by anything. And it turns out the only thing that can satisfy them is Islam. We know that. And then the group of people, you need a group of people who are able, who are able to bring that Ummah, to attach it to this system of Islam represented by an Imam, by a Khalifa, just like Abu Bakr. So today we have the Ummah and we have the group of people. Today, it's now I will not speak against my own belief, my own belief, my own uh, uh, experience, my own uh, more than forty-five years indul- indulgment in the in the work of leadership for Islam, which is ut Tahrir, the one that came up with this idea that Islam is a leadership that it must lead the people and the Muslims should, shall follow this leadership and this leadership you need, in order to make it happen, you must have a Khalifa for that. So I think this is the way to go. So I am part of this idea. Someone can be, uh, have different opinion, different ideas, fine. That's okay. At least if you can do what I'm, I am I'm doing to bring this Ummah to be attached to an Imam or Khalifa. You have your own method. God bless you. May Allah Azza wa support us all. But if your ideas, your thoughts is to keep the Ummah scattered the way it is. No, I'm not with that. I am against it. I will not support it. I will not even speak for it. Not a single word. So this is the situation today. We have an Ummah that is willing to be led by any type of leadership. Willing. And they have deep, deep, deep love to Islam because it's part of their history. And we have seen that during the crisis of Gaza. And we have a group that is working very hard to reattach this Ummah to its real leadership represented by someone who can lead as Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi and Abu Bakr and Uthman led. Do we have a clue that this could happen? Of course. The first clue is that the fact that the dynamics in the Ummah is very strong. The dynamic of the leadership in the world the collapse of leaderships in the world one after another, the uh, bankruptcy of the current leaderships in the world has become more obvious, which means naturally people of the world, including Muslims, are looking up for a new type of leadership, a real leadership. All of these environments are happening in front of our eyes. And lastly, the hadith of the Prophet that says, yes, you may wonder all different directions let me talk about in my own words you muslims you will wander on all different directions from a very strong khilafa prophethood uh, kingdoms who are very keen about their own interests uh, rulers ruling you by force by power all these types of things but eventually whether you know it or not you like it or not this will come back to one and only one leadership, which is a khilafa ala minhaj Nabuwah, a khilafa on the footsteps of the Prophet. So it is coming, and it's a promise of Allah Azza wa Jal in the Quran. Wa'ad Allahu al-ladhiyana 'amanu minku mu'amalu salihat la yistakhlefannahum fil-ard kama istakhlef al-ladhiyana min qablhihim. la لا bi بِشَيْءٍ. It's a promise of Allah Azza wa Jal that this will this khilafa, which means the leadership of khilafa, will come back. The Prophet ﷺ says it will come back and we say we are making it happen. We are we are the application, the real application, or we are the real response of the call of the Prophet. ﷺ. We are the real response of the promise of Allah Azza wa May Allah Azza wa bless you all and forgive me for being uh having long talk, take more time than I should. But uh, anyway, Brother the uh, Shirazi did not give me any signal to stop. no five minutes, no ten minutes, no one minute. so uh, so I put it on his shoulder. Allah khair, brother. Please ask as many questions before Brother Shirazi starts bothering me with his strong questions. Go ahead. okay. The idea is, the brother saying, leadership is politics, which is, in Islam, do we have an option not to be politicians or we can be anything, just I'm a regular citizen? Number one, leadership is not politics. Leadership is an idea. Leadership is an idea. It's a comprehensive idea. It's the aqeedah, all of it. The aqeedah of Islam is leadership. The belief in Allah Azza is leadership. Leadership means follow. That's what I said. Leadership means to follow. Whom do I follow? Allah Azza Whom do I follow? Allah Azza I follow him in what? Drinking the water. I drink water when I am allowed to. If this is not water polluted with alcohol, I will not drink it. That's leadership. That lead- means I follow the orders of Allah Azza in every aspect of my life, whether it's politics or economy. Whether it's technology or education or health, I follow the leadership that Allah gave me in the message of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That's number one. Number two number two, if the ability of to attach the Ummah back to its leadership, back to back to its leadership means back to be attached to a Khalifa and Imam that all the Ummah follow him because the hadith about Al-Ta'a, that means taa followship you have to follow the imam when the people they made bai'ah to Abu Bakr عنه, they said 'ala al-sam' wa i listen and i follow al see I, that's why i would i would love to use the word follow rather than obey because sometimes the word obey it means degrading why i'm my personality has no no importance. No. Follow. I'm willingly following. I'm willingly. I hear you. I listen to you. And then I follow. So. Whether in time of need, time of hardship, or time of leisure. In either way, we are going to follow. So this is leadership. This leadership. And this, no Muslim, no Muslim at all, absolutely, is uh, 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 excused of that or pardoned of that. It doesn't it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. You cannot be a Muslim and not obey Allah and the Rasul. Allah says ya amanu means you follow. If you are not following Islam, you are following what? If you are not following the economic system of Islam, you are following what? Kufr. If you are not following the political system of Islam, you are following what? Kufr. If you are not following Islam in your uh, 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 raising your children you are following what you are following kufr. if you are not following Islam in the food you eat or the food you don't eat you are following what you are following kufr. In kafaru, you follow the kuffar this is this is ideological it's not split we don't separate in this issue there is it's not the issue I have to be political political and to use this word political so that I can be active in bringing this leadership back to Islam no every Muslim is obligated Every Muslim, every Muslim, every Muslim is obligated to follow Islam entirely. You cannot, you cannot obey the kuffar. Obey, you cannot follow the kuffar system. Kuffar system, when I say kuffar system, I don't put a map in front of me. I say this is America, that's kuffar system. No, no, no. Says kuffar is a system. Kuffar is idea. Kuffar is ideology. Kuffar are acts. Kuffar is behavior. Kuffar is feelings, emotions. Kuffar is a complete comprehensive system, everything other than Islam is kufr. So the issue here is, I don't have a choice. As a Muslim, I must be a Muslim. I cannot be a Muslim and a kafir. I cannot, now you say, oh, the brother is saying, everyone who is not practicing salah is a kafir. No, I'm not saying that. But the ideology, that you are, uh, that specificity, when you are drinking alcohol, you are following kufr. I'm not saying, now you become kafir if you drink, that's a different story. You may not be part of them, but you are following them. <inaudible> you follow the kuffar. Following the kuffar is prohibited, you cannot do that. Muslim Ummah has, no has no choice but to stop following the kuffar. And if there is one who is trying to put you back on the track, to follow the leadership of Islam, you have no choice but to follow that. Absolutely no choice. And anyone who says that, I will argue with him until, until Fajr, if I have that capability. That's not, that's not allowed, that's not permitted. Muslim, Ummah, see, look, I don't even have to go and, and argue uh, theoretically. This is what happened when the Muslim Ummah is not following the leadership of Islam, what happened? Can the entire Muslim Ummah today stop the killing of a child right now, now, who is being slaughtered now? Every minute, every five minutes, there is a child who gets killed. Since we started here, probably there are 10 have been killed. Could the entire Ummah stop that killing? No, no. That same Ummah, that same Ummah that has, within this hour, prayed, Isha, and continue to pray Sunnah after that, are still praying. Have they been able to stop the slaughter of one child in Gaza? No, they have not. And they will not be able to. They will not. And they may die out of their anger. I know some Muslims, they really were so frustrated. They had heart attack. They were, had heart attack, and they took them to hospitals, and they died. They died in heart attack rather than dying in fighting for the returning of the leadership of Islam. They die, but that did not save that child. See, the issue here is, sometimes it sounds, some people think it's philosophical. That's why I I try to take non-philosophical approach. This is, the leadership is Islam. The leadership is not Abu Talha, is not Shirazi, is not Fadl, is not Ashraf. It's not Ali, it's not Muhammad, it's not Abdullah, it's not Abu Bakr, it's not Omar. That's not the leadership. The leadership is Islam which is represented by these people. And today, when I say, I'm working to bring that leadership back. I'm working to make sure that the leadership of Islam is the only leadership that can be followed by Muslims. And then we will provide this leadership to the rest of the world. We will offer it. You want it, take it. You don't want it, you are... It's up to you. But we will offer you that leadership to save you in this life and in the hereafter. That's what we, we are about. And that's what I think the Muslims are, are about. So the issue is not whether I... It's like uh, voting or non-voting. Voting or non... In the Muslim world, Ali bin Abi Talib did not give bay'ah for six months. But that did not impact the leadership going on, on, the, on, the, on the ground in Medina. In, when Abu Bakr... Took the bay'ah, there were so many, thousands were still fighting on the fronts. Until when they came, some of them, they went to Abu Bakr to give him bay'ah, some did not. Just okay, خلاص, he's, he's a leader. He's already established. It's done. So there is no need to go and say, cast a vote. Once you establish the leadership, everything is set. The Khalifa will not knock the doors at the people. Oh Ali, Imam Ali, Ali radiyallahu come back, come over. And when Umar radiyallahu Annu told Abu Bakr, Oh, Ali has not given a bay'ah yet. He told them, you be quiet. This is not an issue of Ali or not Ali giving the bay'ah. It's already done. So there is this leadership is going, is a flowing. But when the people started muggling and talking and discussing, so Ali told them just be quiet and stop it, quiet down. Ali Abu Bakr, get on the member and I will give you the bay'ah in front of all the people so nobody can, can, can make any discussions on this issue. Because Ali knows that there is a leadership established, it's over. It's not pending on me putting my hand on your hand. We understood what leadership means. Abu Bakr understood it carefully, very well. So the issue is not, I'm not going to demand every Muslim to come to vote to Khalifa once a Khalifa is established. That's not the issue. The issue is that there is a general consensus. General consensus among the Ummah that now we have a leader that will lead us with our leadership concept, which is the ideas of Islam. May Allah bring it soon and we will cut off all these discussions and we'll start talking about progress now. How do we progress with that? Which was the second part of the talk. We'll talk about it later. The second once we have it, we will we know what we will do, Inshallah. Okay. The question is: We have thousands or millions of scholars around the world, Muslim scholars, graduates from Azhar, from Mecca, from Medina, from uh, Baghdad, from Damascus, from Lahore, graduated from even France, some of them, and recently from America, and they are not pre- preaching, preaching, or uh, let me re- rephrase this: discussing or talking. About same issues, Well, you know, this question, quite often I really hate to answer it, but uh, I will. And let me just give a brief story here to entertain us a little bit. I was asked this question years ago when I was providing tafsir sessions in Milwaukee, ICM, Islamic Society of Milwaukee. Our Islamic Society of Milwaukee which today I was uh, there giving a khutbah it was probably 20 years ago or more so I was giving the tafsir session every Saturday we have a session so one brother and that brother I still remember who is it was dr. Fahim As- Asim's brother he was there he asked me a question Maybe for three times, in three successive weeks. Brother Abu Talha, why we don't hear this type of tafsir from our scholars? Because we, the way I was doing it, tafsir according to Revelation, probably some of you have seen that, where you apply how the Qur'an interacts with us today. The application of the Qur'an to our life, not to the life of Khadija or Ali or at the time. They had their life. So how does it apply to me? So he was asking me the the question. I told him, brother, ask them the question. Don't ask me. I am. This is what I am talking. If I am talking wrong, please correct me. If someone else is giving, uh, you have some grievance on the way he presents Islam. Go and ask. Don't ask me. Ask them. So for twice in a row, he asked this question in two weeks. The third week, I gave my answer, and. I think it was uh, a little bit awkward on my case to, to answer it. But I did. And I did it in a term of a story also. I told them, I will tell you the following story. Sometimes stories make things more dynamic. I said, when I finished my high school in Jordan back in 1974, a long time ago, we had to go to the city of Amman, Almost on a daily basis to complete our papers for the next study to go to college. So, and the only place we had to go to the capital because all the administration offices is there. So one day, I was coming back, right? And and the the, the transportation used to be called taxi, but next taxi not like today's taxi. It's one car that picks four or five people and travels. No buses, no trains, just. Uh, small cars and in that car so we were two in the front sitting and three in the back so there are five plus the driver crowded and you have a small kid a little bit older than me but he's still a kid in the car sitting in the middle of the back seat and he was smoking smoking and you you can see that smoking in a small uh, sedan car it's terrible so the passengers we are pressing him hard to stop smoking. And he would resent. And he's cursing. Cursing everyone who, if you tell him, stop smoking, say, hell with you, what's, your, what's the matter with you? You don't smoke, you don't like smoke, get out of the car. So I was the youngest among them. I got curious. So I told them, okay, I think I was sitting next to him. I said, what's your problem? Just the smoke. Just tell me what's what's going on. You seem to be so frustrated, so frustrated. And then he blows the smoke on my face, and he says, and he curses me. He curses me with with, with kufr, with din. And this is this was typical in the Muslim in the Arab world to curse someone say uh, curse to your deen, curse to your rab, which means it's really kufr. And this guy. And I said, okay, just tell me what's going on. He said, look, I, am, I have graduated with a very low grade. was 55%. He mentioned, I had 55. And the only thing accepts me in the college is to go to a Sharia school. And damn it, I don't pray. I don't read Quran. I don't uh, take all of this crap. I have to go to a Sharia school. Okay, so that was, I told this story to the brother Fahim who was asking. I said, you know what? Most of those scholars that you see are like that kid. Because they studied Sharia, most of them, not all. I'm not saying all. Because they had no other choice. Especially in the Muslim world, it was a big thing to be a doctor or engineer. Your parents want you to be a doctor or engineer or someone who can at least earn some, some money. You know, they, To become an imam or sheikh, that's a, a disgrace. That was disgrace. So you become an imam or a sheikh because you had no other choice. So this kid was an example. So I gave that example. I said, look, most of the people who today are on the top talking to us about fatwas, about Islam, and about uh, treason. About how strong the treason among these people because they sell everything. They don't even, they don't care about Islam. They had to go and get educated. Another example the one who became Sheikh in my village, I still know him, his name is Abdullah. He was not able to pronounce Arabic language. He does not know grammar. In the school, the teacher he used to kick him out of the class because he cannot have distinguished between Fa'al and maf'ul Fa'al and maf'ul these are the basic things in, in, in Arabic grammar for those who have ever seen grammar. And he would kick him out. The only thing he became he became our Sheikh. He became the sheikh of the masjid because he had a degree. So the issue here, I'm not going to undermine or underestimate our ulama or the ulama. but the alim is not the one who has a degree. The alim is not the one who has knowledge. The alim is the one who believes in what he has. Al-ilm, the real meaning of ilm, is not the acquisition of knowledge. Acquisition of knowledge, that's acquisition of information. And the Qur'an talks about it. If I give you a whole Torah and put it in your brain and you don't carry it. Carry it means you don't believe in it. You do not take it. You do not use it. Just like a donkey on top of him you put books. Unfortunately, today the Muslims have been disassociated from the real leadership of Islam because of so many people who stand in these positions who provide at the, at the, at the worst, worst conditions of Muslim Ummah when the leaders, the so-called leaders, the rulers, not leaders, the rulers of the Muslim Ummah are traitors and letting all that atrocities take place and they are not moving a single soldier to protect and support, you come to the khatib in all of these masajid, at the end of the khutbah, he says, Oh Allah, give health and long life, long live the king, long live the president, long live this. Are you kidding me? Even if you bring me Quran on a plate of gold, and at the end of, the, of this ceremony, you are presenting me the Quran, you say, Oh Allah, give this king or this prince or this whoever ruler, give him the support and the health and the long long rulership what type of islam is this who is doing that oh they are doing these so-called sheikhs and you ask him why do you do that he says oh if i don't do that they will kick me out of my job okay i understand so you are selling (laughs) they you are Uh, selling your deen for very small little income so to the brother or sister who asked this question that's the case so we have and this is part of growing a group that can reattach the leadership to Islam you have to understand Islam you have to learn it Don't, don't be hostage to people who sell their deen for money you go and learn Go and learn open the quran open the tafsir go to the uh, books of history try to learn how to think brothers sisters whoever listen learn how to think learn how to read get educated your own education don't wait don't get your specially especially islamic education don't rely on those establishment don't rely on azhar azhar is a seller don't rely on the on the schools in Mecca. Schools in Mecca are sellers. They sell their dean for MBS for the Al-Saud. Don't rely on any of these colleges. If they have books, read them on your own, your own. You can read. You can understand. Learn how to understand. Educate yourself. Look, Muslims of the world, you have been able to educate yourself in math, in science. You have tutors. You go and find all types of different Scholars to teach you the right things when it comes to Islam you wait until you hear it from someone You don't know where he got his knowledge from As I said the British general when he heard the person making adhan He said if that adhan is not interpreted in a manner to tell me get out from this land that I just occupied Let him do it Let him do it if the Imam does not tell me whenever some The, 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 the Muazzin says Allahu Akbar he does not interpret that. To me, Allah is greater than everything else. Allah is greater than America, greater than Security Council, greater than International Court of Justice, greater than United Nations, greater than the, the uh, UNRWA, greater than this king, than that president, greater than this money, than capitalism. Allahu Akbar means greater than everything else. If that imam does not tell me that, he's a traitor. He's a traitor. He's a traitor. And that's a reason. And you, as a Muslim, you can understand that. Think about it. Use your own brain. Think. Quran, Quran, I'm not saying that there are some people that will tell you, don't do, do, do tafsir except if you read it. Yes, I will read it, but I will understand it. I, will under- I have to be able to inculcate it in my brain, in my thought. I'm not just going to repeat it. And if that tafsir does not give me the proper meaning, I still seek it. I, once I was asking this question. Some people probably hear that. In Surah Al-Fajr, many of you know Surah Al-Fajr. How many people know the first ayat of Surah Al-Fajr? Okay. So we, we do. Where it says, Had anybody told you in the Tafsir, When it says, especially those who understand the Arabic. There is an interesting point in the oath. Does anybody of a brain, the means who has a brain. Anyone who can think knows what is the implication of that oath of that Allah swearing by Al-Fajr. I need, it's my right now, if you are my scholar, you are my teacher, you are my Sheikh, Please tell me, I am not a person of the hijr. I don't have hijr. Hijr means bright thought. Please tell me what does the implication of this Qasam? What does it apply to? I know what does Al-Fajr mean. If he says, tell me, oh, it means Al-Fajr is the Fajr prayer. And Layalin, Asher, these are the last 10 days of Ramadan. I say that's easy. That doesn't need a brain. The Ayah says for someone with a brain. Everybody knows that. Tell me what's in it. Now, if you don't know, tell me I don't know. So you become like me. We are seeking the truth. What I'm saying here is, look, the Quran, the Quran is not talasim. In Arabic, they say talasim means uh, gibberish. Right? This word gibberish, gibberish, you it's uh, uh, like uh, encrypted. Today we say encryption. People know cyber security. It's not encrypted. The Quran does not have encryption codes or uh, first key or last key, there are two key solutions for the Qur'an. One key with the imam and one key with Allah Azza wa Jal. So if the imam has association with Allah so he knows what the how to interpret this Qur'an. The Qur'an is not like that. So you can understand the Qur'an, you can think about it, you cannot find the answer, you go and ask, you keep asking until you find it. So this is the issue of the scholars. The issue of the scholars today one last thing about this, because since the question comes up out, and I'm leaving, probably I'm not sure if already people are watching this, the place where I will be traveling to. But the issue here is uh, I have to put every effort in my brain to understand the message of Allah Azza wa to me. And I should not rely on people who are... Hired hired to say something about Islam for Islam against Islam, it doesn't matter. Sorry about being long. Yeah, yeah, okay. The, the question is uh, today is let me rephrase the question today is uh, the life today is very much tied and intertwined with the economy and the economic structure and the financial systems, and most of these. Economic systems, financial systems have been developed in the last hundred years or more, using based on capitalism, socialism, uh, financial systems which are not related to Islam in any way. How can we detach our new Islamic leadership or growth from these economies? How can we build our own? What does it take to have a completely Different economic system. Well, uh, a short answer for this. Number one is Islam as a leadership, as a leadership, whenever I say a leadership, as a system. So there is a complete system that has to do with economy. Now, economy, economy is a very simple term, very simple term. But it has been complicated purposely by the capitalist world so that you and me do not understand it. So we go and graduate, four years, college, in economy, and we end up only doing some transactions, being able to do some transactions like HR, hiring, maybe financing, maybe marketing in the current economic system. But to understand the essence of economy, they tell you, very complicated brother, it's so complicated thing. You talk micro-economy, macro-economy, all this stuff, political economy. They're complicated, so you and me will not understand it. But at the end of the day, what economy is, in a nutshell, economy is wealth. And wealth, distribution of wealth. There is a wealth. Now, the wealth can be gold, can be wheat, can be grain, can be oil, can be gas, can be cars, can be... Uh, furniture, this is a wealth assets, they call them assets but it's wealth, they call them assets fixed assets, removed assets so you don't even understand what's the difference between a fixed asset and a dynamic or changing asset it's a wealth, whatever is usable by a human whatever contributes to satisfying the needs of a human whether it's urgent or non-urgent needs that's wealth okay, so in wealth there are two things, one The development, the multiplication of the wealth, the growth, growth means how is it I can make an acre produce instead of 100 bushels of wheat to produce 200. That's science. That's science, that's not economy. That is not economy, that's science. That's technology. You say, oh, we will have genetic restructuring, we will have all types of things. This is science. But then, that wealth on the table, how do I distribute it? The distribution of wealth. Here we have about 70, 80 people. Here and downstairs, some sisters, brothers, sisters, kids, etc. How can we make sure that everybody who has a right in this wealth takes his share? Oh, that's a very simple question. Simple question. It's not that complicated. You'll say, okay, let me see. What does Islam say? Islam says, Oh, this, number one, this wealth, Allah Azza wa Jal made it. So everything, we look at this wealth, you we say, subhanAllah, it's a rizq from Allah. Good. So your heart becomes clean. Number two, you say, وَفِي أَمْوَالِهِمْ حَقٌ مَعْلُومٌ لِلسَّائِلِ وَالْمَحْرُومُ With this wealth, there is a, haqq, a right for some certain category of people. Category of people who do not have immediate access to this wealth. They will have their portion. Okay. Who are they? One, two, three, four. uh, They count them. Eight people. Eight categories. Okay. How much? 2.5% of it. Okay. Done. What if this wealth that's in front of us does not reach everybody whatever he needs? Oh, there is a portion of the wealth that is for all the people equal. So you have a right into it. He has a right. He has a right. Whether you are poor or rich. That is a method of distribution. Now, the problem today, that the people tried, they mixed actually the two concepts, the technological part, which is the growing the wealth, which is called the science of economy, or the science, with the distribution of the wealth. Now, distribution, we have a system, very simple, very straightforward. They have a system, capitalism has a system, says. Grab whatever you, whatever you want because there is not plenty for everyone. That's, they call it relative scarcity. And if you see relative scarcity and you, if you are in economy class and they will give you a question on relative scarcity, I bet you most of the students will fail that question or will not get full, they make it so complicated. Look, relative scarcity means there is not enough food for everyone. Period. Everything else is uh, a complication. So the idea here is, once we have our grip on our economy, you will see that as far as the growth, the technological advancement in the world, no matter where we will use it, if we have better, we will use our own. As far as the system, which is the distribution of wealth, in a manner that does not leave anyone behind, that we will enforce. And you will see, not after 10 years, but after one year of ruling, I will bet you you will not find a person who does not have what it does not have what to eat that day. Not a single person in the entire area where Islam rules, and that did happen in the past, and it will happen again. But there is more to it, and you read the book Fall of Capitalism and the Rise of Islam, you will see lots of there, or the economic system in Islam, you will you will see lots of thoughts on it. But the rise of capitalism and uh, rise of capitalism, sorry, fall of capitalism and rise of Islam. <laughs> I'll, I'll, the question is, uh, quite often we say first you have better develop economically, technologically, be uh, be in part of the real world, the advanced real world, then you talk about leadership. Look. Just go back to the original example, the, house, the horse and the cart. Try to put the cart in front of the horse and see who's going to pull what. It's very simple. Because the, the cart is what has to do with the transfer, it's called this ummah, to transfer this ummah into technology, into advancement, into science, into all of this. That. That's the cart. So you need to pull it so that it starts generating whatever it should generate. There is no way in the world you will advance economically, technologically, education-wise, health-wise, as long as you don't have the proper leadership. Now, someone would say, would it be possible to do it with the current various types of leaderships? No, because these types of leaderships are imposed. These are not real. These are beneficiaries of the system. This is not... A leadership that wants to raise the level and the status of the ummah. These are beneficiaries. Someone who's going to benefit. That's like, like Al Saud. Who is the richest part in Saudi Arabia? Al Saud, the Emirs. Who are the richest in Qatar, in Bahrain, in Emirates, in uh, in Kuwait? Who are the richest in countries which are so poor? Jordan is one of the poorest countries. Who is the richest? Who has the billions of dollars when the whole country doesn't have billions of dollars? to find the king and his family. Who was the richest in, in Egypt? Egypt had, at the time of the uh, Arab Spring, when Mubarak was the, deposed, had more than $100 billion of loan debt for IMF and the World Bank. Mubarak family, his two sons, had more than $80 billion dollars in different banks in the world, personal. Tunis was and is still under debt. Very large debts. The day of the deposition of Zain al bin Ali, three airplanes, they flew from Tunis into, I think, Qatar or Dubai or Saudi Arabia with gold, gold, pure gold. The entire wealth of the country with uh, his wife, Tarabulsi, Layla Tarabulsi, Zain Abdel bin Ali's uh, wife. So in other words, the, the issue of uh, growth, how can you grow a country anywhere when the so-called in the position of leaders, the rulers, are the main beneficiaries of the country? Doesn't work. Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, In Medina, when there were some, uh, sometimes lack of food, and people not necessarily complaining, but they are asking. So he goes out in the street with a stone on his stomach. Yes, something on his stomach. Abu Bakr comes out, and Umar, these are the Muawineen. Prophet is the top leader. These are the ones who own all the wealth. Or at least they know how to distribute the wealth. Now Abu Bakr shows a stone, the Prophet opened up his chest and shows two stones, meaning that we are as hungry as the people around us. We have not eaten the food of the people. We have not eaten the food of the people. That is that's a system, that's leadership. Today, today, even in Iraq, was supposedly uh, so, so, semi-socialist when the collapse of Iraq took place his two sons had the largest possible health, wealth you could ever think of, most of it was uh, uh, smuggled to a man to Jordan and they built thousands of houses and thousands of businesses until they were uh, uh, somehow their wealth was stolen by the king and then they were thrown out that's uh, that's typical. So that's what we we, uh, we say. You don't trust the ability to advance when the beneficiary of the system are the ones who are on the top, not the people. Go ahead. Let's see. Let's see which over is easier. Go ahead. <clears throat> mm. Yeah. Okay. I will... Uh, st- Uh, start with the second question the easier one let's say today I was coming from Milwaukee or I went to Milwaukee in the morning it's about I think 70 miles 80 miles so 80 miles I can compute it on my uh, GPS takes about 1 hour 15 minutes but if I don't take the ride if I don't start it will take forever but if I do start if I do start I will reach if I do start and I take the right vehicle and have the enough fuel, I will be there in less than two hours. But if I keep thinking about it and I never take an action to move, I will never be there. So the idea is in terms of time, if we, if we don't do the right action, yes, 100 years from now, some brothers will be sitting in this place or maybe another place. Maybe this becomes a big, big, big building, big palace at that time. will be talking about the same thing. But if we do, we start doing and doing the right actions and take the right moves and do the right organizations and pushing with all our power, then the mile that takes one hour, we will do it in one hour or less. Having said that, in our case, we do not know the distance and the time like Milwaukee. Milwaukee, we know the distance and the time. In terms of political activities, especially for which is unknown future, we do not know the actual time or how long does it should it take or what's the length of the road. All we know is the method of what to do. Now, that method, what to do, we know it. So we have to take the actions, the proper actions. And with that, there is a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ when some sahaba came to him when he was uh, leaning against the Kaaba. And they were in very desperate situation. Just like today, like Gaza. We're in desperate. Just move out in Mecca, you get snapped, you get killed, you get uh, snatched in uh, in that area. So they came with them like Abdullah bin Mas'ud and some other sahaba few of them say Ya Rasulullah how long would it take us to be in such desperate situation why don't you just make du'a to your Allah and actually they were a little bit not easy Your, your question is so soft so nice compared to their question they started with this Ya Muhammad isn't Allah the one that we believe in is Haq. We told them yes. Do you have any doubt about it? They said, no, no, we are just confirming facts. You know, I, I would have imagined if I was there, someone comes to ask me questions like this, probably I would jump in his face and his neck and say, what are you talking about? Then they ask him, aren't you Rasulullah? Yes, I am Rasulullah. What's going on? I said, no, we are just confirming facts. Uh, didn't Allah Azza wa Jal send you with the message of Islam? Okay, yeah, it's all of this true. Then, then they ask the question, then why don't you ask Allah, your are Allah, your God, not even our God, لمَا لَا تدعو رَبَّكَ Why don't you ask your Rabb to save us and give us victory and get us out of this mess? And it's, it's very serious. These are Sahaba and these are the only few ones. He doesn't have so many. He was at the time when they were boycott, only a few brothers and sisters with him, slaves, weak people. Uh, I'm not sure if Hamza was already a a Sahabi or not. But anyway, the ones who are the most oppressed come and ask this question. So then he says, he got a little bit uneasy. In the report, they say his uh, veins turned red. So he was very uh, excited. Uh, I'm not saying angry but it was uh, something provoking so is إِنَّ Allah will provide victory to this deen to the extent that there will come a time when you will walk across the entire desert fearing nothing absolutely nothing, it's absolute security absolute safety, absolute justice nothing, unless you possibly may die Or maybe a wandering wolf In the desert that could take your sheep ولكنكم تستعجلون He says you are Speeding, you are pushing it You are pushing it Just have sabr, do whatever You are asked to do And that is a sense that Look, I'm not going to dwell On the future To say 10 years from now we will do it Or next year That we don't know But we know the method so the Prophet ﷺ showed us a method. Stick to the method. Do your organization, do your public talk, do your uh, discussion with the people, do your uh, interactions, and then contact the people of power who can make things happen like he did. Because he was not just sitting around the Kaaba, he was visiting the tribes like Bani Shaiban. Telling them you are powerful, you have uh, strength, you have all this. Why don't you join hands in hands with us? So let's build this din together, and you become a supporter. And they say, yes, we do, but we cannot fight the Persians. He said, no. Then just stay where you are. We don't need half support. We need a complete support. And that talks about, by the way, the, the leadership. He doesn't need someone who says, oh, but we do have fear. I don't want who don't want. Anyone who has fear, you have to have strength. Another tribe, he goes to them, and uh, they t- tell him, sounds very good, we'll support you. But we need you a contract. Give us a contract that once you pass away, we will presume or the, 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 uh, the leadership after you will become the rulers, will take your place. So we'll give it a mandate for us. He said, no. I will not do that. I will not do that. Why? Now that means these people are, will not follow simply because they believe in an idea. There is something for them into it. It's emotional. There is instinct. This is no, that's good enough, but I will not be able to do that. This has to be supported by someone who only believes in the idea because of the idea. He follows the idea, not because there is something into it for him. See, that's the uh, one part. The second part about Gaza, today, as I said, look, we know for sure the only way to support the people in Gaza, the only way, there no, are no two ways, the only way to support is to have a power, a power that can overpower, overwhelm the power of the enemy, the Israelis. And that is not internal. The people in Gaza, they barely can, can protect something, and they are not able. They can hurt, but they cannot overcome. In order to overcome a military machine like the one that's being used against the people in Gaza, you must have a military machine equivalent or larger, or at least equivalent, but not necessarily larger. And that military machine is in the hands of armies that have been trained, not people. People cannot fight wars. People can resist. There is something called resistance. You can resist. Resist means, okay, you overcome me, you overpower me, but I will never be under your control. You will always have to, to, uh, uh, to take my skirmishes. I will have my skirmishes on your face. That's what resistance can do. But the do the total liberation and the total salvation of the people you need a power that can overcome the power of the occupiers with training with military with all of this and that today unfortunately it's under the control of the so-called false leadership the false leadership is under their control so what we have what the muslims have to do they have to put a great pressure on these armies, their leaders, to either revolt and get out, for, break away these handcuffs, or have someone who can change that leadership, which we are talking about, that rulership, and bring a real leadership that can move and use all of these powers and resources to support Gaza. But temporarily, what they are calling us to do, do, do the dua, collect funds, send money, Look, you can collect as much fund as you want. The one who controls the border, how these funds will go in, is still the same enemy. You have to overcome him. So again, you fall back in the same hole. In the previous ceasefire, they collected billions of dollars worth of food and, and drugs. Very, very little of, the, of it found its way, and nobody knows where did it go inside, and who benefited from that. What did this The Israelis do with that. Until today, there are no news. The only thing they say, we were able to get less than 1% of the total donations that came. So the idea here, the Muslims have to mount their pressure on the total masses, to make them move, and actually force a change. You have to force a change either in the leadership that controls the armies by itself or in the leadership at all and then bring that Islamic leadership to, to make the real changes. That's what, we, that's what we can do. That's what we have to do. And that may take more time because sometimes it's easier to sit in this masjid and say, we need donations. It's Ramadan coming, brothers. Gaza is still under occupation. Under, we need some money. I'm pretty sure I will get out of this crowd no less than ten thousand dollars in less than thirty minutes. Very small crowd, mostly poor, but I can get that, and that's the easiest we can do. And then, can I make this ten thousand dollars reach the people who need it? Can I buy one piece of or five guns or some bullets? Can you buy food? Can you buy them. You can send them in ships, but they will not go through. Because that's not because you are still have not solved the main puzzle. The main puzzle is to have the critical point, the threshold. You need a critical point, critical power. You have to gain it. So we have to call upon the Ummah time and time again and, and push it harder and harder and harder. Let's move as an Ummah. As as the armies have to be in front of us. I cannot you know sometimes in Jordan, I, I live in Jordan. We some people go open the borders for us, we want to move in. What do you mean open the borders, we want to move in? Are you, are you crazy? You will get the borders and you go empty-handed, what's happening? Instead of losing 100,000 in Gaza, we will lose one more, 100,000 more on, on, the, on the march. All it takes is just to send some few phosphoric bombs and they are dead, all of them. That's not how the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi fought. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi fought with an army, It's very small, small, but it's an army under his control. And he made the decision. Shall we fight or we go back? He has the decision. And he made uh, uh, consultations with the Ansar and the Muhajirin. Look, the people of the caravan of Abu Sufyan, they ran away. They got saved. Now we have one choice, either to go and fight this kuffar or go back to Medina. What do you want? Now he has the choice. Some of them, they said, the muhajirin, they said, yeah, we'll go and fight. He said, no, I want these people to tell me. Because they are the ones who gave the Nusra. Let me see what they say. They said, we will fight. I said, okay, we will go. So he took a decision. Now he is in charge of a decision. Not only with the fight. Now he could have had a decision say, okay, no, I'll go back to Medina. And I will wait for next year. That's a strategy. But he has a strategy in favor of Islam. Now today we don't have a strategy, neither in favor of Islam nor in favor of anything. We have an emotional strategy. I just want to do anything. Now demonstrations are good. They're okay. They keep the public up on their feet. But those needs to be utilized in order to make a change. Where is the change? The change will not happen in Israel. Quote-unquote Israel or the occupation state. It will not happen in Gaza. The change has to happen on the ground in Egypt, in Syria, in Jordan, in Iraq, in Lebanon, at least, at least, in the neighboring countries. At least that change must take place. And later on, you talk about Turkey, Iran, Pakistan, fine. But now at least a change there has to come and has to take place in order to be able to make a difference and to have a strategy. Then you will have a strategy. Do I fight today or I fight tomorrow? I may decide I will fight after 10 days. Nobody is going to pressure me on what is my plan. Just like if you listen to the news, Netanyahu comes up on the he says, Rafah is our next. But when I am going to attack Rafah, I am the only one who knows. It's my decision. I will, I will. I can, I can. But when I will do that, it's up to me. I will decide. So once you are in that position, Once in that position, you have your power in your hand, and then you will say, I will choose the time when I want to strike. That is where you want to be. No one should be able to impose on you a date when you attack, or a date when you retreat, or a time when you want to do an act. You have to have full control of the land, of the people, of the army. That is leadership. If we don't have that, we will continue to be on that 100 years march. Yes. Quick, I just answered that. I, but but the, the real answer to the brother is you put your hand with my hand and when we start working, there was a time somebody asked me, me this question at MCC. He said, why we have not established Klafa yet? I told them we were still in lack of one person to do that and that was you. Once you join, we will do it. As long as you stay on the side and asking the question, we will not do it. Join and we—that That is the time when we will make it. <laughs> hmm. Okay. That's fine. I, I will answer it in different ways. It's a good part that he said the main thing is to establish justice. Okay. Which is good. Allah Azza about justice in the Quran. He explicitly said, We have sent messenger. بِالْبَيَّنَاتِ with clear signs الكتاب, and we revealed book and we revealed book and a scale to weigh things بالقصد, so people can live in justice so justice justice is not personal it's not a just person you may have a just person justice has two components the rule which you use to rule among the people that requires a message, a system, a book, a scale, and a person who is just. A person who believes in these, who believes, and he implements these completely. That's a just person. A just person, the one who doesn't have bias. His only bias, bias is to the system. And the just law is the law that comes from, uh, from a place which has no bias whatsoever. And it's Allah. Allah is the only one who doesn't have bias. So what the brother is saying or the sister, the only thing the, what mainly is to establish justice. Correct. I agree. I accept. But how could you establish justice without the systems, the book, and the scale that Allah revealed? Allah in the Quran, in Surah al hadid He explicitly said, this is how justice will be given for all people, not only for Muslims, so people can live in justice. These are three things you need. Now, if Najashi, anyone call it XYZ, XYZ, can implement these systems which Allah revealed, I love it and put it on top of my head. But that is a Khalifa. That's the definition of a Khalifa, which he says, people say we don't need Khalifa. These guys replace the word Khalifa, replace it with a guy, make him XYZ, who is able to implement the book. The revelation and the scale revealed by Allah Jal in a just manner. Halas, that's it. I accept. Don't call him Khalifa. Call him Amir. Call him Qaed. Call, call him Ali. Call him Abu Bakr. Call him Abdullah. Call him Shirazi. Call him Abu Bakr. Call him Fadl. Whoever. Call him Zain. It's okay. That's irrelevant. The word Khalifa is a title. Now, if they don't like the title, that's. I mean, that makes me sick. If you don't like the title that the Prophet ﷺ gave, I mean what the heck are you talking about? Sometimes I say, Okay, forget that wording. I assume ignorance at the beginning. But if once I no longer assume ignorance, I say, Look, come back, come back. That one who establishes justice, which Allah revealed in the Quran, in the Sunnah, in all the wisdom that Allah gave the Prophet and He transferred it to us. If you don't want to call that Khalifa or Imam, what are you going to call him? King? President? What do you want to call him? It's a name given. I mean, I love my name, Muhammad, because it's the name of the Prophet. Simply because it's the name of the Prophet. I love the name Abdullah because it's the slave of Allah Azza wa Jalla. I love that. Anything that's, that has come from this system, I should emotionally love it. The word Khalifa became bad word because the British made it bad. The British colonialism in India and in Egypt and in the Muslim world made that the worst world you can even think. In all the curricula in the Muslim world, you talk about all types of governance. They don't mention the word Khilafah at all, at all, zero. And whenever they bring it in history, they bring it as a Khalifa, Harun al-Rashid, who used to have... Two years, one year for his God and one year for his love. Two nights, one night he talks about science and one night he has ladies and girls dancing in front of him. What is going on in this world? They, dist- they, they, they distorted the best name. The best name came after prophethood. The prophet, sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he says, Banu Israel, اسرائيل al الانبياء Banu اسرائيل used to be ruled by prophets. <سؤال> كلما هلك نبي خلفه نبي whenever a prophet dies he will be succeeded succeeded by a prophet ولكنه لا نبي بعدي after i die there is no nabi ولكن ستكون خلفاء فتكثر there will be khalifas he called it khalifa man you don't like the the, the 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 name the prophet gave what's going on Allah azza wa Jal he told Adam ameer inni ja'ilun fil ard khalifa Inijai, I make, the best word came to a man after prophethood From the time of creation is the khalifa You don't like this word? Ya Dawood, we made you a khalifa What's going on? I mean the Muslims There is so much has been engraved has become genetic structure among the Muslims out of the British colonialism. In the Arab world, they hate everything about Turkey. But in Turkey, there was the Ottoman state. Not everyone in Turkey is Ataturk. In Turkey, they hate everything about Arab. Not everyone in the Arab world is Sharif Hussein who revolted against the Ottoman state. This was a creation of Britain. Get out of this British type of uh, stupidness and and, uh, calamities in the Muslim world. Muslims, it's about time to get rid of all of these dresses that we have on top of us. You have one shirt after shirt after shirt. You take off one. You find another one colonialist. You take a third one until you have to get your skin off. Skin your damn skin and get out of this British colonialism. They don't like the word Khalifa. Call it whatever you want. Find me a better name than Khalifa. Khalifa, find me a better word than Imam the word imam when you pray here the best one the best man in front of the entire masjid is the one who is in the front you call him an imam but once it comes to the state you don't like to call that imam call him a king a prince mbs mb whatever they like that they are for it but to call him no 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 no. what's imam imam sheikh with a big turban ruling us no forget that astaghfirullah alazim astaghfirullah alazim Yes, brother. Is I'm sorry. One. What time is it? Do you still have time? Okay, fine. I'm. I'm here. That's okay. Yeah. Okay, fine. I. I'll be. Don't. Don't tell me be fast. I can never be fast. You have to cut me off. Just cut the mic. Yes. No. This is. No. I will tell this hadith. This hadith is not, is taken out of context. It's a hadith, it's a hadith which enforces the Prophet wasallam. He says, you have to be with the jama'a. Jama'a means the jama'atul muslimin with their imam. Jama'a means the ummah. Just like the, the state of Islam, the khilafah of Islam. So the person was asking, what if I will, and the hadith is long. There is a long, uh, uh, which is hadith uh, I think it's Hudayfa was was saying people used to ask about the good times of Islam, the leisure time. I was asking about the things when they go bananas, they go south. So part of this hadith when it says what if the ummah at that time they don't have a jama'ah and imam, what should I do? Then he tells them, he tells them at that time if that case and you don't find the Jama'ah with their imam uh, for example you live somewhere distant you don't know where the Jama'ah if it exists or not then it's better for you it's better for you to to bite on 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 a branch of a tree than to join all of these people who are calling for non-Islam. He says there will be so many groups everyone is calling for something for socialism, for communism for capitalism For democracy, for this ism, for that ism. What do I do? He said, Just you have to stick to stay away from all of them no matter how long. So that is a behavior vis a vis the other Jama'at. But the hadith that talks about the Khilafah and about the Imam is the hadith that says, There will be a Khilafah at the footsteps of the Prophet. That is the hadith that should be used or whether there will be a Khilafah or not. But this hadith says, like this today, today that's a reality. Uh, where is the Imam of the Muslims? There is no Imam, there is no Khalifa. There is no Jama'ah which is called this the Islamic place where Islam is being implemented. It's not Pakistan, not Bangladesh, not Indonesia, not Malaysia, not Singapore, not, not, not Sri Lanka, not not, not any of these. okay. Not Jordan, not Syria, not Egypt, not Saudi Arabia, not Turkey, not Iran. Oh, what do I do? See, don't, don't fall in the traps of anyone for lack of a state or a group with an imam does not allow you to join them or approve them or support it, which means it's better for me to bite on this plastic here than, and stay isolated than being part of them. Better than be Now, what is better than that? Better than that is to change them and to bring Islam instead, and to bring the Imam. Because his question was not about what is then? How do I change that? That was not the question. And the Prophet wasallam answers the question as asked. He says, you are not allowed to join any of these groups, no matter how, 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 how many they are. And that is the right thing, which means, I will not consider myself part of the country I hold its citizenship. I do not adhere to their laws. I do not adhere to that uh, constitution. I do not approve of them. And I will work against that constitution and and against that stability by all my force until I am able to change it. You will say, oh, they will put you in prison. Okay, fine. Many people, I have just read today, two of our brothers were released today from prison after they served four years or distributing one pamphlet in a masjid calling for the establishment of Khilafah. And they come out and they are happy. And they give their statement the best years we ever served were those years in the prison of the Zalim. And now that gives us strength to make sure that we will continue the struggle. That's and that is how it should be. That's it. One more. Go ahead yeah well no it well okay well no i think let's let's rephrase it uh, the following way uh, to get educated to get you edu- to feel that you get the education and you can ponder it's it's very important it's very important some people may not be able to do that, some people simply they don't have the ability to even go through two or three ayahs in tafsir, except if they are very uh, straightforward. Uh, But then, to really rely on some concepts, strong concepts, I may not be able to derive them. But if I find someone who is devoted to this issue, and he is not part of the establishment, see. there are very critical issues, especially these days. Even at the time of the long Islamic history, where one of the scholars, he used, used to say al-Hassan al-Basri, if you see the, علماء, the scholars at the doors of the governors, even the governors then, they were much better than MBS today. They, they, they are not the same as ours, but still, They are rulers. Fatahimu means be careful. Don't take from them right away. Uh, And the Imam Abu Hanifa, when he was asked to come to one of the Khalifas to help to become the Qadi, he told them, no way. I will not be a Qadi for for you. I will be a Qadi for the people. People come and ask for different uh, manners. I can do the the, the arbitrations for them but I will not be on the side or at least on behalf of the ruler although the ruler was a khalifa I mean good man good, good ruler but see the, the, the being very careful is very important that's the message the message is not to, to get this type of chaos everybody reads the Quran the way he wants there are means and ways to understand the tafsir So, if I want the tafsir, I have to go and understand the means and ways in terms of language, in terms of hadith, in terms of the Sahaba narration, and how it makes sense. When I use that basics, then I should be able to at least either understand by myself, or if somebody tells me, I can measure, I will see, well, his understanding violates such rule. In this case, you will provide like checkpoints. The idea is to have checkpoints. In fact, there is a scholar, uh, his name is Friedman. He wrote a book, he's from, uh, I think Harvard. He says, The uh, the Fall and Rise of the Islamic State. Very interesting book. And he was uh, arguing the question, how did the Islamic State manage to continue for more than 1,200 years? He said, the only way it managed Continue is because there was a collection of independent scholars, scholars who are independent, who are not part of the system of the the establishment. They have the knowledge, and the people refer to them for knowledge. And those ones they were not attached to the government. So this was the check and balance natural. So now when the colonialism took place, they made sure they break this system. So the scholars become part of the establishment. So there is no check and balance. Today the check and balance in democracy are the elected uh, groups like the Congress, Senators, these are the elected, check and balance. They don't have other check and balance. In the, Muslim, in the Islamic State, there were the Shura, but the Shura were very limited numbers. They, were, they did not have the major elections like uh, we do today, but they were the scholars who are not elected. But they are followed. Every region, small region, they have their own scholar. And this scholar, once he becomes part of the establishment, they let him go. They don't even ask him, they abort him. Go, you you become rich, you become rich. You are no longer part of the so called scholar community. And Friedman, he says that was one major strength that uh, sustained the Islamic State for many years. When that started, be weakened, especially towards the late Ottoman state when they had Shaykhul Islam, they established the position of Shaykhul Islam, the Mufti, the Grand Mufti. Then the rest of the scholars became almost marginal. And then it was destroyed, as we know. That contributed to the decline and destruction of the Islamic State. So, what I'm saying here is we need to encourage the people to learn, we encourage to create scholars. Now we know scholars in Islam means you have the knowledge and the belief in the knowledge, and you have the one to one attachment. If I am a scholar, I have to know you have to know who is my sheikh, who taught me the other day, I was reading an article on one of the recent scholars, and someone went and argued with him. He told me, "Tell me." Whom did you take hadith from? He said, I just read it in the books from the college. He said, that doesn't count. I need to know who's your sheikh. Specifically. Because that line, I can see if there is a defect somewhere that in those who taught you, you took hadith from. If there is a defect, then you are under suspicion. That's a method nobody did except in the Islamic arena. Only in Islam comes to Qur'an, hadith, narrations, etc., even fiqh. If you become, you can learn fiqh as much as you want. But to become a faqih, so people can relate to you, you have to tell me whom did you take fiqh fiqh from. Give me the the line of narrations. Aside from school, you could have gone to school of sharia here and there, I don't care. These are just teachers who give you classes. Some of them don't even know what they are teaching like I do, I teach computer courses, sometimes I don't even know what I'm teaching. But the students have to take it because I have a title. And when I do that, I tell them, them, look, this is not my area. They told me to teach this class, I will teach it because it's part of my load. Probably by the end of the class, you would know more than I do. Please go and take tutorial and get certifications on this. Don't rely on my knowledge. I'm being sincere with them. In Islam, that's how it should be. You took it in a college, uh, somebody taught you, but if you be, to become a, a muhadith, someone who really authentic or authorized in hadith, you have to have your scholar. You know who, how do you get it from. Otherwise, you'll just have enough knowledge to accept from me or not to accept. So that to me is enough. See, it's enough for me To know that if you are a person who can tell me this hadith is Sahih, and what was in Bukhari wrong, I need to know your authenticity, tell me your authenticity, who is your muhadith, where did you take it from, who is his muhadith, and what's the chain of scholars, so that I can take it from you or not. That's enough for me, I am not muhadith myself, I cannot distinguish whether this hadith is Sahih or not. I cannot distinguish whether Imam Bukhari actually did meet this person or did not meet him. I cannot do that. I can if I want to. I have to become a muhadith. I have to go through the the whole chain. But if you stand and tell me that, I have to get your chain. And that's why I say, in the Muslim world at large, those who stand up for fiqh and hadith, these are scholars for the dollars, most of them. Not all, most of them, they are scholars for the dollar. How do I find them? Yeah, no, it's fine. How do we just this? It's not easy to find them these days because they are very few. Or it's easy to find them because they are few. There could be one or two. Oh, uh, if, a gra- if he is a graduate from uh, any of the Muslim countries, and that's his knowledge, that's what he relies on, Uh, That's, I mean, minus number one. Second minus, if he has a post, an official post in any of these uh, governments, that's minus number two. These are two minuses, which makes me at least cautious of, uh, of his opinion. Third, I can check his status, ask some questions related to the status quo. And if I find that he chickens away, I'd say well, that's minus number ten, not minus number three. That's easy, and that's not not difficult. We can we can help in that. When you have someone tell me, talk to me, I will tell you. Abu Bakr, end up with uh, with uh, your question, and you answer your own question, and you make a du'a. I'm not going to answer you, so because you, uh, yeah. Uh, All right, brothers and sisters, Uh, inshallah, at this point, we are going
2: to end the program. Jazakumullah khairan for attending. Uh, There was, uh, alhamdulillah, a lot of interactions. There's a lot of questions online, and uh, I'm sure also from you. Uh, We will try to answer those. There are some books also that we will post that uh, Shaykh Abu Talha mentioned. Inshallah, we'll see you guys next time, next Friday. Jazakumullah khairan. alaikum warahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.
0: لا، لن يطول
1: الظلام ديننا لن يظاهر نحن جيل هماك نحن فينا عمر لا 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 لن يطول الظلاف ديننا لن يظاهر نحن جيل هماك نحن فينا عمر صبح بدى نور ظهر نجم وشمس وقمر ألقى على الدنيا الدرر هذا عمر, هذا عمر كل البرايا تنتظر أيامه البيض الغرر في تستفيد من العبر هذا عمر, هذا عمر لا,
0: عمر لا, لا, لا أن تدوم الجراح بل سيأتي الصباح نحن أهل الكفاح نحن فينا
1: عمر لا, لا, لا أن تدوم
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sira are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes.